Cool. Thanks, you guys. Um, awesome. So, yeah, we've been tracking um, with these different topics over Advent for the last four weeks, and this is the last one tonight on love. Um, this is the last Sunday before Christmas, and we've talked about hope and peace and joy and now love. And one of the common themes is this idea that actually the way we use these words in English isn't necessarily how they're understood in the Bible. And um, I feel like that video kind of just sums everything up. I don't really need to talk. Um, but I'm just going to kind of basically say a similar thing to what they said and just, just going to unpack that a little bit more uh, tonight. But again, try and keep it pretty short and pretty simple. Um, so I'm just going to pray really quick and then, then we'll start. So Father, just thank you. Um, yeah, we get to be together. Uh, we get to celebrate your love and your goodness. And we thank you for your word and, um, yeah, Jesus, for your, your grace. And just would you meet with us tonight and speak to us? Um, just ask for even deeper understanding of, of who you are and what you're like and how we can grow in love as well. Uh, so just have your way tonight, we pray. Amen. Cool. So, yeah, our English word for love, like they said, is, is not really that great. Um, that we kind of tend to use it as romance is probably the main way it gets thought of, um, or if not that, even just as feeling or emotion. And it's, it seems it's really difficult to kind of break out of that way of thinking. Like when we think of the word love, it, it means I feel something or I have a desire of some kind. And, and love in the Bible involves that, but it's not just that. You can, you can love when you don't necessarily feel love. Um, that love is actually more a commitment or a covenant um, like they were saying, it's an action. It's something you do to another person. Um, so what I want to do tonight is, is use this guy, Scott McKnight, who's, who has this really good definition of love. I'm going to kind of unpack it a bit. But one of the main things he says is that love is a covenant. It's a commitment. He says, love is not primarily emotion or affection, but rather a covenant commitment to another person. Commitment does not deny emotions. Commitment reorders emotions. Because if, if we go with the definition of love that says love is how you feel, you can't really control our feelings, particularly the idea of falling in love. And if you fall in love, then you love someone, and then you stop feeling love for them, then you don't love them anymore. And it means that we're kind of just at the mercy of our feelings, and that's a really tumultuous existence. Whereas actually, we can make choices. We have a will. We can make commitments. We can make covenants. And that actually can direct and shape our feelings. And God does that as well. God actually makes commitments to people in the Bible. He makes covenants. And what we're going to do is basically look at the way that God treats his people and f develop a definition of love based on that. Rather than looking it up in the, in the dictionary or even just looking up what the Hebrew word says, we're going to say, well, actually, how does God treat his people? And that actually shows us what love is. And one thing we see um, throughout the Bible is this idea that God wants to be with us. It says this in Exodus. Um, after he rescues them from Egypt, they're in the wilderness. He says, have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Um, God constantly wants to dwell with his people. He doesn't want to be just far away and distant or up in the sky. It actually says, build this tent and he gives all these directions and how big the curtains need to be and what color and everything and so that God can dwell and be with them. And we see that actually love is a commitment to be with another person. It's, it, there's this element of being present. Um, sometimes we might think of love just means you just do something nice or you, you help someone or you give them money. and that's, that's good as well. But actually just being present and being committed to being present is an expression of love. Um, then we see this again in, in Jesus, uh, this great verse in, in Matthew that we celebrate at Christmas. 
It says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus' name is God with us. Jesus is an expression of God being committed to being with us, that he would actually become a human. Um, And then right at the end of the story of the Bible, in Revelation, we read, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among his people and he will dwell with them. God is, is committed to being with his people. Even though they stuff up and fail and there's whole lots of issues and difficulties with that, he, he's with them. And even throughout the Bible, like often when people are struggling, even with Moses, when Moses is like, I can't do it, I can't talk properly, God's promises, I will be with you. Again and again, people feel inadequate, God's promises, I'll be with you, I'll, I'll be present. Uh, and, and there's such a deep value in presence. Um, just by reading this guy's teaching, it's just helped me a lot. Even that idea of actually just showing up and being with somebody actually really makes a difference. It can actually really impact them. Um, often kids just want their parents to be present, want them to be there. Um, actually, just, just being together with someone communicates love, especially when you're committed to being with them. They can feel safe and secure and supported. Presence is really powerful. Um, and then this is obvious in marriage, that marriage is a commitment to be with another and to stay with them. Um, but this could be in all relationships, in friendships as well. Sometimes friendships can just be like, well, if I feel like I like you, I'll be with you. And then as soon as I don't feel like I like you, I'll be away. And, and that's not really love. It's just a feeling. Or it's just, I enjoy this person today. I don't enjoy them tomorrow. So I'm not going to be their friend anymore. Like, that's not really love. Like, love is actually, even in friendship, a commitment to stick with someone and bear with them through difficulty. Uh, Scott McKnight says, love is a rugged commitment by one person, married or not, so it doesn't have to be a married relationship, but it's still a committed relationship, to another person, married or not. The relationship may weather stormy waters, but love hangs on through the storm. It is the hanging on, married or not, that illustrates what love is. Person A says to person B, I'm here with you through it all. Actually, I'm not leaving, I'm, I'm staying, I'm, I'm here, I'm present. Um, love, he says in the first instance, is, is a commitment to be with, um, to be together. To, and, and even just relationships grow when people spend time together, when they're present with one another. It's, it's so important. So firstly, God loves by being with us, by being with his people. And we can love each other by being with each other. We can love even our enemies by being with them or, or people who are difficult by being present with them. Keep going and... There's this verse in Exodus again, and Moses is, is coming out um, of, of the, um, Egypt, and they're in this difficult situation. There's the Red Sea. There's the Egyptians. They don't know what they're going to do. Moses talks to the people who are freaking out. He says, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to stand still. You only need to be still. And there's this idea that love is not just then being with, or God is not just with his people, but God fights for his people. He, he is for his people. And love is a commitment to be for, uh, which is this principle, a sense of advocacy, of, of being on someone's side, of, of wanting their best, of wanting to strengthen and support and bless them. So see this in the Old Testament, God fights for his people, he, he, he's, he supports them, he provides for them, he strengthens them. We see this in Jesus. This is Zechariah 
praising God when he hears about um, John the Baptist, his born and, and, and Jesus being born. He says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he's come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. In Jesus, we see God is for us. He, he comes to rescue us. He gives us his son. And right at the end of the story, again, in Revelation, we see God is for his people. He says we will be, they will be his people. God himself will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. So God's not just present, but actually for his people. He's actually for us. It's this posture of advocacy, of strength, of support, of blessing, of, of rescue, of protection. Um, and love is that, that God does, that's how God loves us. And we're called, again, to love others in that sense, to be with and also to be for. Um, this idea of God, God being our God and us being our, his people, Scott McKnight says, we could translate this as, I've got your back, or I'm on your side. I'm with you as the God who is for you. God's love is a covenant of supporting strength. He's our proponent. He's our advocate. He's on our side. Um, earlier this year, I went to an Open Doors event at Mueller, and there was a guy talking about um, becoming a Christian in Iran and, and the story around that, having a dream and coming to Australia and sort of stuff like that. And throughout the story, he just told all these steps of how Jesus just provided for him in this dangerous, life-threatening situation. And he just said really authoritatively at the end, he's like, God's got your back. Like, God's for you. Like, you don't have to be afraid. And, then, and he just said it with this great authority. And it's this idea that actually God's, God's for us. Uh, he, he's got our back. He's with us. So love is not just with, but also for. That's how he loves us, and that's how we can love others, and even how Jesus calls us to love enemies or people that are difficult. So with and for. And then we see in this promise to Abraham, God calls Abraham, says, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. He says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. So God calls Abraham, but he calls him to actually change and be transformed. That God's actually going to transform Abraham into a nation, a nation that's actually going to bless people. So God's going to bless him so that he can actually bless people. And it's this sense of God's love isn't just with and for, but it actually has a, a purpose or a direction. It actually leads to change and transformation. So see, love is a commitment to be with and for leading to Christ-like transformation. There's this, this direction to it. Um, and then we see this again in, in Jesus. Um, in the story of Zacchaeus, uh, it says people saw that Jesus has gone to be with Zacchaeus. He's the sinner. Uh, he's got all these problems. People don't like him. Um, but Jesus goes to have lunch with him. And the result is that he understands that God and Jesus is for, he's with him and for him. And it leads to transformation in Zacchaeus' heart. Uh, he says, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anyone or anything, I'll pay them back four times the amount. Like Jesus loves Zacchaeus in a direction that actually leads to a change and actually leads to him becoming more like Jesus. And then the ultimate direction is that we really become like Jesus uh, completely. The end goal is this in 1 John. It says, dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, 
for we shall see him as he is. That the, the end direction is that we will be like him in love, in generosity, in grace. So love actually has a direction. And again, this is, this is kind of different to um, maybe how sometimes we define love. Sometimes we define love as love just means letting people do whatever they want and just saying whatever they want is good and just affirming them. And there's a truth in that, in that love gives freedom. Like love doesn't control. Um, love doesn't coerce. But there's a direction. So if people are going down a direction that's away from Christ-likeness or away from life and goodness, it's not loving to say, actually, yeah, that's really great. There's, there's a direction to love. And we see Jesus calls people in his way in love. But he's first with and for and then leading to transformation. Scott McKnight says it this way, God loves us. And God's kind of love transforms us into loving and holy, God-glorifying and other-oriented people in God's kingdom. That actually, as we receive his love, it changes us to be other people who can love. And as we love others, we are for them, with them and for them, leading to their growth in Christ-likeness and transformation and love for others as well. So this is his definition of love. Love is a commitment or a rugged commitment, a covenant to be with and to be for, leading to Christ-like transformation. So there's this presence aspect, there's this advocacy aspect, and there's this direction aspect. And it's, and it's important that they're actually in that order. Um, sometimes it's, we might just want to give the direction aspect and say to people, actually, you're going the wrong way, you should be going this way, but we're not with them and they don't know that we're for them, and it actually doesn't get perceived as love at all. But when we know that someone's with us and for us and they say, hey, the path you're going down is not good, you need to go this way, it can really be received as, as love. Like they're saying that out of love. Um, so th th we can't go direction first. It needs to be presence, advocacy, then direction. We see this interesting thing as, as, as we celebrate Christmas and we, we focus just on this, I suppose, the day that, that Jesus was born and we, we celebrate that um, time and just that really focused event. Um, but the lead-up to that event was thousands of years. That God, God has called Abraham, he's worked through Israel, he's, he's persevered, he's put things in place, waiting for this time when, when Jesus would come. Um, and even then, Jesus comes to his people and they reject him and they don't understand him and, and, and he has to go to the cross. And like, like just think about the depths of God's love and the time that that takes to see this end result of people changed and transformed and becoming like Jesus. Like, like just how much God bears with people and is with and for through so much difficulty and pain and suffering. And it's just this, this few words from a verse that's just really been impacting me um, just the last week thinking about it. And that's this idea that love is patient. That's the first definition in, in Corinthians 4. Long list of lots of things in 1 Corinthians 4. The first one is love is patient. And that's not something that we might normally think. If someone said, well, what's love? Uh, I don't think many people would put patience in there. Um, often, again, this sort of definition of love that we have is a lot about passion, which is a lot about urgency and, and like that there's this desire and it needs to be, there needs to be change and people need to get fixed and change. Like, naturally, no, love is patient. Um, the New King James translates that love suffers long or is long-suffering. And I see that in, in the story of the Bible, that God is with and for his people suffering for a long time. He, he is patient. And actually, there's a call for us as we love 
one another and we love other people to be patient. And actually, people don't have to get their act together before we love them. We can actually be with them and for them and patient as there's change and transformation in, in Christ's likeness. Um, I just want to meditate on that verse for the next few weeks. Love is patient. Like God waits. God is patient. Um, in Psalm 103, it says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. God doesn't lash out. God, God does get frustrated, and we see that. God does get angry, um, but it's in love, and it's, it's not like uh, just a irrational, and it's not just a quick thing. It's, he, he's incredibly patient. Um, his, his love is patient and kind and, and he calls us to be people who grow in patience and therefore can grow in love as well um, again patience we talked about this in hope the idea that hope in the Bible means to wait um, we, we're people who wait for Jesus' return and, and look in hope for the day that he comes but we don't like waiting we're kind of taught we don't need to wait things should be now things should be quick actually in a similar way if we want to grow in hope we need to learn to wait if you want to grow in love we need to learn to be patient. We need to learn to bear with each other. We need to learn to give grace. We need to learn to, to just take time um, and actually go slow and actually just commit to one another even through difficulty and pain. And th- that video um, ended just with this great quote. I just want to read again. Um, he said, The Christian faith involves trusting that at the centre of the universe is a being overflowing with love for his world. Which means that the purpose for human existence is to receive this love that has come to us in Jesus and then to give it back out to others, creating an ecosystem of others-focused, self-giving love. That's what God's kingdom looks like. A king who is full of love, who dies for his people, who serves, who gives generously, God who just loves completely all the time, And then we receive his love and we get to enter into that and love others and love him and reflect it back. That's the kingdom. That's that's the future. And that's what we get to experience now. And that's that's who's at the center of everything, which is amazing. And as we receive that, as we we realize God is with us, he's for us, He's, he's transforming us to be like himself. As we live in that reality, we can then live like that with others. In uh, John 1, it says, we love because he first loved us. We don't work it up and just go out and do it. We, we reflect on his love for us, and we let that transform us into people who can love. So we're going to respond tonight with, with communion. And as we do that, we have an opportunity even to acknowledge that we have failed to love. Um, that idea of uh, uh, being completely others-focused, generous, self-giving, patient, um, self-sacrificing even is such a high standard of of love and it's so easy to live in selfishness or fear um, or guilt or withdrawal or passivity there's there's so many ways that we fall short of that call to love Um, and as we come to communion there's an opportunity even to confess or to acknowledge our failure acknowledge that even in that he is with us and for us and he loves us that he's leading us and growing us to be like him and we, we acknowledge and thank him for his love in his broken body, in his, in his blood poured out. And, um, and we receive that love and give it away. Um, so I'm going to pray. And then, then when you're ready, you can come and take the biscuit and dip and, and take the juice. Um, if you want to give this offering. Um, and then we're just going to sing um, to finish. And 
yeah, just encourage you as in this time, it's just sort of an open time. It's just time to be open to God, um, to reflect on his love, um, and to process whatever maybe you sense him doing in, in you. And if, if there's, this is opportunity, again, we kind of gather once a week and it's a good opportunity to pray. And if you would like prayer or if you sense someone needs prayer, you can ask someone next to you or come up the front or just sort of open to God in this time. Um, so let's, let's pray and then, then we'll respond. Yeah, Father, thank you that you are Father, um, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, God, you're eternal uh, being of self-giving love and generosity, um, and you create our world, um, your world out of generosity and love, and have even redeemed it, even though it's fallen and even though we fall short. And we just confess, God, our failure to love, um, our selfishness, our pride, God, our, our, our fear, God, the things that um, yeah, break down relationships and connections and, and, and trust. And yeah, we just ask for your forgiveness. Uh, ask that you would just bring healing to hearts, God. Um, that we would know your commitment to us, um, even when we've been let down by others. To know that your promise is true. Uh, that you are for us and that you are transforming us. And God, just fill us afresh tonight, God, that we could love um, just the people around us, God. We could love our families this week over Christmas, that we could love enemies and, and people that are difficult that we come across, God, that we could love each other. Uh, we just say that we cannot do that without you. Uh, it's only your love that, that gives us ability to love. Um, so just fill us with your spirit tonight, God. Fill us with the fruit of the spirit of patience um, and love. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would, you would have your way here tonight and just come and do whatever you want to do. And we just thank you, God, that you are true and you really are our God of love. We just pray this in your name.